Jackson takes the snap, feels the pressure, fumbles the ball as he's hit. Atlanta's got it. Vic Beasley on the near side, stays on his feet, breaks a tackle right sideline, 50 to the 45-40, cuts toward the middle at the 30-yard line. Vic Beasley at the 10, can he make it? To the 5, into the end zone, touchdown! 74-yard fumble return score for Vic Beasley. The Sports Pen lives here on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops with you Monday afternoon. It's December, it's cold out, it's snowy, and it's time to welcome in Charlie Bramer. He's our in-studio guest for this afternoon. Well, Charlie, there's been plenty going on here as of late. We flipped the calendar to December. We have plenty going on to talk about in the world of sports. I wanted to start with football, and that's where we will start. I why wanted why to is start. that, Tanner? Why would you want to do that? That's because that's where the big news has been happening. And I wanted to start with yesterday's announcement of the college football playoff field plus the bowl assignments coming out, but we're not going to. We're going to start with news that broke around dinner time last night. I know it's got to be... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Charlie? Shocking. Shocking, maybe. Not shocking, necessarily. Saddening. Sadding for you. I know a lot of people were happy to hear about the Packers parting ways with head coach Mike McCarthy last evening following the Packers' 30-27 to loss against Arizona. I thought this was coming, but I didn't think it was going to happen during the season. The Packers aren't going to contend this season for the wild card. I know that they're still not mathematically eliminated, but they're 4-7-1, and and they're not going to make the postseason. They have the same record as the Browns. I thought they'd at least keep him around, let him finish out the season. You know, he won him a Super Bowl and everything. I know the play callings left a lot to be desired for a lot of fans, but I didn't see this happening midseason. So in that sense, I'm surprised. Tanner, I keep... Uh... I'm, my head's on a swivel here. I'm waiting for you to just pie me in the face with the humble pie. Just slam it all in my face. But you're too nice of a guy. So I don't think I've... You said this happened around dinner time last night. I lost. I promptly lost my appetite. I don't think I've eaten since. But um, you're right, man. You called it. Well, like you said, nobody expected this during the season. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different things going on i guess you call it speculations i was just listening to the levitard show on the way in mm-hmm. they had all kinds of speculation like oh rogers must have gave him an ultimatum and this that and the other thing and i don't i don't know if you can really hang your hat on too much of that speculation but you really wonder what happened you know what really happened who was it the somebody in the front office was it the GM you know they don't technically have an owner they have an owner that uh, uh, Murphy that represents them at the owners meetings and one eyes like their CEO who was it after watching that game that just said all right that's enough we're making the change apparently that's what happened going back to what you said earlier I'm not going to throw humble pie in your face for one thing because you're right. I'm a nice guy. I went nice. I carry that up here to the UP. For another, I don't blame you for liking Mike McCarthy because you have reasons to back it up. You're not just some straight up homer. You had your reasons for liking him. You know, he's got his background, his experience. You know, he's led the Packers to the playoffs consistently. He's put up winning numbers. He's won a Super Bowl. It's just been the last couple of years and growing tensions between him and Aaron Rodgers that finally did him in. But now we look ahead to what the future holds for the Packers. 
Joe Philbin can't be the long-term answer. I mean, he's here for the next four games, and that's it. I mean, he's not going to be the Packers' next head coach, is he? Oh, I certainly hope not. If they're going to fire Mike McCarthy, uh, I mean, that was the Dolphins hired Joe Philbin as a mold. They wanted him to be their Mike McCarthy. Mm -hmm. So if you have the real thing, why would you fire the real thing to hire, uh, you know, the second, whatever you want to call it, the second fiddle? But... That, and that's just a big reason why you're like, why would they do this during the season if they're just going to replace him with Joel Philbin? Was it, I, the only thing, and, it, and it's something that hasn't really been talked about, I think they're really putting players on notice. You know, guys, Clay Matthews isn't coming back. Randall Cobb is not coming back. There are so many guys. I don't think Jimmy Graham will be back. They can get out from under that contract and not owe him a dime. Nick Perry has like a five and a half million dollar payment he's due in March. Is he? Are they gonna just cut ties with him, buy him out, and you know, because he's got a pretty big contract, and for a few million dollars they could get out from underneath that. And with what they've done with some players already, like Haha Clinton Dix, I mean, I think this was really more or less assigned to the players. Like you're all next. You know, somebody's got to step it up. But do they have time to rebuild while Rodgers still has some good years left in him? I mean, you got to surround him with some good pieces. And it seemed like it started crumbling when Jordy Nelson was taken away. You know, he wasn't only Rodgers' favorite target. He was like his best friend on the team. Yeah, and that's true. Um, I don't think there'll be a full rebuild. The beauty of it is with losing guys like Clay Matthews or Randall Cobb, which either of those guys could be back, obviously. On uh, uh, it would it would be pretty darn close to probably a veteran minimum type of deal. But if they if they will be getting out under from underneath some big money, and with the two first round draft picks this year, um, I don't know. They're going to have like six picks in the first four rounds. Um, they're going to have, and especially if they get out from underneath other contracts like Nick Perry and Jimmy Graham, that would be money that they could spend. Um, I guess it would be a type of a rebuild, but not necessarily a draft and develop rebuild, but more of a, more of the not so Packers uh, type of rebuild with a, a more of a free agent rebuild, more of an immediate return type of rebuild. Um, take that money and give it to some players who have produced more recently than guys who, you know, Nick Perry three years ago, when pro football focus had him rated so high. So you're saying don't necessarily need to draft a new team for Rodgers, but free up some cap space, get some of those veteran guys who maybe are past their prime out of there, go out and get somebody a little more productive and uh, give Rodgers some shiny new toys with some newfound cap space. I think I think there's going to be more of that this offseason than we've seen. There was already a little more of that last offseason than we're – accustomed to seeing and I think this offseason that's going to be really what it's all about well you, let's go back to what you said earlier about who is the one that made the decision to let Mike McCarthy go ultimately and it made me think how much influence Aaron Rodgers has on the front office and what he does there was actually a media outlet that I don't remember which one or out of what city it was but incorrectly put up a graphic that said Aaron Rodgers head coach when they were interviewing him and he, he kind of is, you know, he almost runs the Packers organization in a little bit because they will cater to him as they should. He's arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. It makes you wonder, 
Is Aaron Rodgers the closest thing that the NFL has to LeBron James, a guy who is essentially a player coach? I think as far as, uh, yeah, as far as the NFL goes, and the only reason why it's that way, um, the NFL more than any other league, you know, you look at teams like the Cowboys and the Seahawks, obviously the Seahawks owner just recently passed away, but the NFL is a league where, and the NBA is becoming more like that, where owners are more and more involved but the NFL is a league where owners have always been a little bit more involved, especially with teams like the Raiders and the Steelers. Um, but Green Bay not having an owner, um, it's kind of allowed Rodgers to, I think, have more of a voice because that owner's voice isn't there. Obviously, they have Murphy there as their CEO and owner, but don't really hear too much from him. Um, he was a former player. Uh, he He was a defensive back. And he's just a pretty quiet guy, and it seems like it kind of has allowed Rodgers to have more of a voice as a player than kind of anybody else on any other team. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's an excellent point. The Packers don't have that owner that sticks out, the majority owner, what have you. So it's kind of a faceless ownership uh, that the team flies under. And that gives the opportunity for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, certainly the face of the franchise, to become the face of the ownership as well. It makes you wonder how much influence would Aaron Rodgers have if he was part of an organization that had a high-profile owner. You alluded to Dallas with Jerry Jones, the Giants with the Mara family and the Wellingtons, and certainly the Davis family over in Oakland. It makes you wonder how much influence he would have if he was part of an organization like that. Yeah, and um, obviously if they were winning... How much of a voice would he have to have? Um, it wasn't so much this way, you know. It was obviously Rodgers was always the star. But when the Packers were having more success, Rodgers just was simply, he wasn't being asked the same questions. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's why we're getting different answers. And it kind of sounds like he has a different voice. But, you know, it's all, it is what it is. The situation, it's kind of uh, dictated a, a different attitude from Aaron Rodgers and it kind of seems like he's being more in the latter years of his career he's asserting himself a little more in different ways and um I thought it was kind of funny because the week before last there was comments made about his demeanor uh him looking kind of like Jay Cutler out there <laughs> and then this last week when the game was going so bad he was giving kind of those uh like throw his hands up in there. He was doing a lot more smiling. Obviously, there was a lot of times where he didn't look very happy. But there was also times where he was smiling. And then it's kind of like, well, why is he smiling? And then, well, he doesn't want to look like Jay Cutler out there. I guess it's just a lose-lose. When you're losing, it's a lose-lose. <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you this. For Mike McCarthy, what does he do now where he's looking for a new head coaching job? Because I have a theory, and I'll tell you that, but I want to hear where you think could be a good fit for Mike McCarthy. Everybody's saying Cleveland. I think so. Um, he's from, he's originally from, I think he was born and raised around Pittsburgh. So he's like a Pennsylvania guy. It's pretty close to where he grew up. Um, he does have young children. Mm -hmm. I don't know what role that's going to play. Um, would be interesting to see if he takes any time off. A lot of coaches that take time off, you know, they do work as analysts and stuff like that, but he doesn't really strike me as the guy to be up in the booth. Um, 
So, and, and coaches that take that time off and aren't analysts, it seems like they oftentimes lose a step. So he's probably going to want to stay in the game. And, and there's a lot of Green Bay guys in that front office over in Cleveland that are big Mike McCarthy fans. And having that quarterback there uh, to build a team around, the only guy that better hope he doesn't head to Cleveland's Demarius Randall because then Demarius Randall will be on his way out again. <laughs> this is my theory for what Mike McCarthy could do following this season. Todd Bowles is going to get fired by the Jets. Todd Bowles is going to head back to Arizona. He's going to come in a defensive role for the Cardinals under Steve Wilkes. And the Cardinals, the team that had the last straw to get McCarthy fired, are the ones who benefit Todd Bowles, who is being replaced by Mike McCarthy. So essentially it goes full circle. That's my theory. Yeah, and and how many jobs are going to be open this year? Um, last year there wasn't a whole lot of turnover, it seemed like, um, in the coaching ranks. It's kind of average, maybe. But this year, there's going to be some coaching turnover. There's going to be jobs available. And how many of those jobs are going to go to established, experienced coaches? Obviously, one of them is going to McCarthy. Um, how many of them are going to be going to first-time head coaches? Mm-hmm. Like Condoleezza Rice? I don't think the Packers are going to envy her. She might compete with McCarthy for the Browns job over there. <laughs> yep, well, geez, yeah. And um, when – so there's been – um, obviously, uh, there's been females interviewed for head coaching jobs in the NBA. Mm-hmm. When is that going to start happening in the NFL? Possibly I guess, soon. I guess we need some female assistant head coaches for that to start happening. Well, let me ask you this. we got to take a break, but I want to get your thoughts on this first before we move on to a new subject in the next segment. Who could be a potential replacement for McCarthy long-term as the head coach there. Some names that I've come up with, and I want to get your thoughts on these. Josh McDaniels, I know he had a job in Indianapolis locked up last year and backed out of it. He gets a chance to upgrade at the quarterback position. Talent-wise, that's probably the only place he can do so in the league. Plus, doesn't have to deal with Brady's attitude. You have John Harbaugh, maybe even Jim Harbaugh. There's a lot of Michigan fans who want him out, although I don't think that's happening. John Harbaugh, He's had a rough last couple of years, but he won a Super Bowl, and you wonder if there might be a place for him over in Green Bay. John Filippo is a name that's been passed around a little bit. He's the offensive coordinator in Minnesota right now. He's a pass-heavy guy. He's a guy that I could see working really well with a guy like Aaron Rodgers and bringing uh, young wide receivers along like he did in Philadelphia last season when they won the Super Bowl. And then Lincoln Riley's already said he doesn't have desire to leave Oklahoma, but he said that in regards to the Browns job. Would he upgrade and leave Oklahoma for a chance to work with the greatest quarterback in football? That's that's the thing, is a job like Green Bay to begin with is very coveted. It's almost, you know, it's like... Being the head coach of Alabama, it's mm-hmm. something that's it's for the NFL even. It's like the upper echelon of NFL jobs. And then you throw in the greatest quarterback talent in the history of the game. I think there could be some big surprises. Um, even a guy, I mean, if we're really going to start throwing out names here, even a guy like Doug Peterson mm-hmm. who, you know. You think he, they can steal him away? He's a Green Bay guy through and through. Um, obviously played there for so long. Um, he's he's sounding fed up in Philadelphia. Just I mean, obviously, who wouldn't be with that fan base? Mm-hmm. You know, like cut the guy a break. He just won 
a Super Bowl and he's getting nothing even close to being cut a break. Um, so in, in a job like Green Bay is it is the type of job where those are the scenarios where things like that can possibly happen. That's a ti- that's a job where those scenarios are. I'm my biggest hope is so there is a soundbite earlier in the year. Bill Belichick comes up to Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers says, "You're the greatest." Belichick goes, "No, you're the greatest." How about McDaniel's takes over for Belichick and Belichick comes to Green Bay, greatest head coach in NFL history, teaming up with the greatest quarterback talent in NFL history. That wouldn't even be fair. That'd be like what the Warriors are doing in the NBA right now. Right, and that's why I'm thinking it's not going to happen, but is it going to happen? <laughs> Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll break down the college football playoff selection committee's decisions yesterday. Did they get it right? Did they get it wrong? That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops joined by Charlie Bramer. Pigskin Payday is back. Head into Ojibwe Casinos to predict the winners of each week's pro football games. Play all season long for your chance at the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ojibwe Casinos, Barriga, and Marquette. So once again, we're ready to break down the college football playoff committee selections from yesterday. The bowl assignments are out, and the four teams that are into the college football playoff have been revealed. The final rankings have Alabama at number one, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma rounding out the field. So you have Bama taking on Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl down in Miami. Notre Dame gets Clemson in the Cotton Bowl in Texas. This is going to be a fun bowl season, and I'm not only saying that because I'm wearing my Notre Dame Irish jersey in the studio today, but the rest of the office has been pelted by shamrocks around here. Jim and Tom and Jen, they're they're fighting it. They're hearing it. It's kind of like uh, Golick and Wingo this morning. If you had a chance to listen to them, yeah, they love it. And they don't that's even, why I love them. Yeah, and they don't stop even when Notre Dame isn't the greatest. So. Oh, they didn't stop two years ago when they were 4-8. Exactly. But two years later, they're a top three team. And in the college football semifinal, let's break down the Bama-Oklahoma game first. I'm excited about this matchup. First of all, can any other school than Bama go into their conference championship game lose their quarterback and say, oh no, we'll just rely on the quarterback who led us to the national championship that's been riding our bench for the entire year and then still win the ball game. Well, it's really funny because um, I was going to be streaming the Bucks game uh, on on the computer, on my laptop or whatever, and, and I'm like, oh, you know, how about I plug this into the TV? And my parents had the, I was over at their house and they had the, um, football game going on the TV and Georgia was up by 14 and mm-hmm. I was like oh Georgia's, Georgia's going to do it Georgia's going to hold on I'm like no way dad this game Alabama's going to win you know blah 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 betting man would still take Alabama he's like no from watching this football game you know I'm like no let's watch the Bucks game you know Alabama's going to win two plays later Alabama scores a touchdown I'm like see there you go they're already only down seven now and of course I watched the Bucks game turned the Bucks game off Alabama had one they won in a little bit more of a crazy and exciting fashion than I thought it was going to be, but of course they won. And kind of getting off topic from that game, 
it's like I just said to you before, is there really not going to be a Big Ten team in the playoff this year? And the way I said it, it was almost like somehow, some way, a Big Ten team is still going to get in, even though that's not possible. <laughs> well, we're going to get to that, but I want to break down the two semifinal matchups first. Bama and Oklahoma is going to be a lot of fun. You have two quality quarterbacks, two almost Heisman caliber quarterbacks at Alabama. I don't know which of them is going to play. They both could get in there at some point in the game, but they are going to torch that Oklahoma defense. No matter which one it is, Oklahoma is a team that consistently gives up 40 points to Kansas, 46 to Texas Tech, and that was the biggest issue for the committee is that you can't tell me no one in that room didn't have a problem with Oklahoma's defensive numbers. But they beat everybody on their schedule, and they avenged their only loss. They weren't going to reward Georgia with their two losses and lack of a conference championship, and they weren't going to reward Ohio State with their 29-point loss to Purdue, nor should they. In my opinion, I think the committee got the top four right. It's not often I agree with the committee. But I mentioned Bama and what they can do offensively. I think they're going to torch Oklahoma defensively, but... Alabama's not always shined on defense. Their offense is made up for it. Remember how upset Saban was when they gave up, what, 31 to Arkansas? Kyler Murray can put up points with the best of them. This could realistically be a 65-40 to 40 final score, Chiefs-Rams level football. Maybe that's what the committee wanted. I don't know if that factored into their decision at all for TV ratings or what have you. You would think, you would think with their history and the way they pick their games, I think... It might have came in a little it. bit. I think yep. there's a great case to say they got it right based on Oklahoma's merit and their resume. But you can't tell me that wasn't in somebody's minds, that you're going to get a shootout between Bama and Oklahoma. And Yeah, that's what more could they want for a college football playoff game. It's, it's exactly what they could ask for. And, I mean, the fans, it, it's just going to be a great game. Everybody... You know, you deserve a good game, and they're going to get it. I don't really know what more to say about it. Alabama, though, it, as much as the game's going to be fun, it's just all about can Oklahoma keep it close enough to make it fun? Mm -hmm. Can they score enough points? And it seems like a real possibility because, like you said, Alabama defense has been a little more leaky at times than in the past, but they still have all that pro talent on that defense. The pro speed, it's you just you just hope they don't almost step up too much and really shut down Alabama because you want it to be a good game or shut down Oklahoma because you want it to be a good game. Well, before we go to the Cotton Bowl, let's welcome in a special guest on headset, Alabama head football coach Nick Saban. You've got two great quarterbacks. Who's going to be starting in that bowl game? Tell me your starting quarterback now between Tua or Jalen Hurts. I'm not going to, so quit asking. Very good, Tanner. That's very good. I love it. He was not in studio with us, by the way. Nick Saban's not here. What are you talking about? He just walked out. I I'd love to have Nick Saban here. I called down there to Tuscaloosa. I'm like, Nick, Tanner Hoops up at ESPN Radio in Marquette, Michigan. We go way back. Yeah. You want to come on my show? You know, I'd love to have you come on air. You have interest in being on the sports pen? And his response was a little like this. I'm not going to, so quit asking. That never happened either, by the way. But you, you just love it when guys give you that. 
that type of soundbite to use. Right? I love any excuse to use that soundbite. It's one totally. of my favorites. It's up there with anything Mike Leach produces. Right. Hey, but let's go to the Cotton Bowl down in Texas. You've got Notre Dame taking on Clemson, a battle of undefeated teams. By the way, three teams out of the four in the field are unbeaten this year. That hasn't happened yet since we've gone to the Final Four format. I think this is going to be a better game than people are expecting. And I know I'm not an unbiased source, but I think there's going to be a lot to like about this game. I think it's one that can go either way. Notre Dame, when someone looks at them, they say that Notre Dame's record is a product of their schedule. I think that's probably the biggest complaint that people have with the Fighting Irish this year. But if you look at how they play football, really they're fundamentally sound on both sides of the ball. They do a lot of stuff right on the offensive end and on the defensive end. I mean, there's really not a flaw to that game. Brian Kelly's done a much better job managing a game as a head coach. He's come along very well in that aspect. Clemson is a team that generates a ton from their offensive line play and their running back with Travis Etienne. Both teams went through midseason quarterback changes. Both of them played schedules that certainly aren't weak, but they leave a lot to be desired. I think this can be a really good football game. I know Clemson's favored by two scores, but I really think this can end up being a field goal that decides this football game. Yeah, I mean, Clemson being favored by two scores... Um, I would definitely, I would feel comfortable betting, you know, the spread on that game. But how much really did that hurt Notre Dame's just body of work, the fact that Ohio State pounded out Michigan like that? Well, it hurt. It hurt. Nonetheless, Notre Dame's picked up wins over Michigan, who still finishes as a top-10 team. They had wins over Northwestern and Syracuse. And really, none of those games were ever in question. The outcome was decided in all three of those games from the beginning. Notre Dame really did not have fear of losing once that game got underway. They led Michigan by two scores for about 56 of the 60 minutes in that one. They jumped out to a lead on Northwestern, didn't have much problem with them, struggled maybe a little bit after they had a three-score lead, and had no trouble with Syracuse. Went over to Yankee Stadium and destroyed the orange and did what they needed to do so they've got some quality wins this season they thrashed some teams that were supposed to be good this year and underwhelmed teams like navy florida state stanford virginia tech those teams were below average compared to what notre dame thought they were going to get out of them and they thrashed them as they should really notre dame struggled in four games this year they struggled against vanderbilt ball state pitt and usc and two of those games came without their starting quarterback and starting running back. So, yeah, every team's had their struggles. But if you're going to hold games like Pittsburgh and games like USC against Notre Dame, you have to hold games like Texas A&M against Clemson. They only beat Syracuse by four. They really struggled with them. Kansas, Texas Tech against Oklahoma. You have to hold games like Maryland and certainly Purdue against Ohio State. So, I mean, it works in a lot of ways that every team's had their struggles this year, but the problem is nobody beat Notre Dame this year. Their strength of schedule isn't up to peer level with Alabama and Ohio State in those teams, but it's certainly not weak by right. any stretch, yeah. certainly not UCF schedule. And looking at that schedule, um, especially at the beginning of the season, you know, with a team like Florida State being so terrible, mm -hmm. uncharacteristically terrible, you look at that schedule, a lot of years past years and fairly recent years, that would have been a very good schedule. Mm -hmm. And 
obviously that's what Notre Dame was going for. Um, it just didn't. It's kind of funny that Syracuse would turn out to be one of their yeah. tougher opponents, and Florida State would be one of their not. So it, it's just kind of funny how that turned out. And that was the thing for Notre Dame going into the season. It was oh, they got a good schedule this year. If they win out, they're a surefire team for the playoff, which obviously they are. With that type of schedule, a normal year, even with one loss, I think they would still have mm-hmm. a good chance at getting into the playoff. But this year, with the teams being, a lot of them being not up to what their usual standards would be, um, if Notre Dame would have had one loss, then it wouldn't have got them into the playoff. Well, and they did what they needed to. Given the schedule they had, they took care of business. They ran the table. Schedule uh, opponents that look intimidating and probably should have been intimidating on paper because they don't have that conference championship game to play in during championship week. And that was one of the biggest arguments I saw against Notre Dame from fans is that Notre Dame has an unfair advantage because they're not playing a conference championship game. For that reason alone, people wanted to drop Notre Dame from the conversation. You've got to take the whole season into account, the whole body of work. You can't base it off what you do in one week. I mean, week one through championship week matters in college football and what you decide for the college football playoff. That's where the argument has got to be for Notre Dame, is that they specifically go out and they schedule all FBS teams. They're the only team to do that, schedule all FBS opponents for the regular season. To me, that's why they deserve to be in as much as anybody. I'm not just yeah. trying to be a homer or any, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but they earned their spot in the playoff this year. No, yeah, there's no doubt about it. With that schedule, um, they went out. They were not looking for an easy, an easy end to the college football playoff, and ended up their schedule ended up being a lot easier of an end than we thought it would be. But it still holds up, and they they did definitely earn their spot. Well, let's talk about a few of the matchups for our local teams, our area teams. You have Michigan heading down to take on Florida in the Peach Bowl. It's a familiar opponent for Michigan, is it not? It's the third time that Jim Harbaugh is going to be facing Florida. Now, here's an amazing stat, Charlie. The Wolverines have faced Florida three times over the four years under Jim Harbaugh. They have faced Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Purdue and Nebraska all just once conference opponents but they've played Florida three times three times as many as five conference opponents yeah that's funny and that's that's you knew that stuff was going to be happening when they split up the Big Ten uh, several years ago and it's kind of a shame because there weren't necessarily big rivalries there but there's some history Mm -hmm. going back and I mean, I like the way the Big Ten is split, but there's still definitely um, a lot of good games that could be played every year that that we miss out on. Well, and that could be a really good game, too, going down there to take on a Florida team that oh, yes, I think That's gonna be surprised a, a lot of people yeah. this year. How about Michigan State? They are in the Red Box Bowl. They will take on Oregon. Oregon's an up-and-coming team this year. Michigan State has been an up-and-down team this year, but I think those are two evenly matched teams that could put up a pretty good game red box how many years have they had a bowl game no idea no idea no idea but I, the prize package that goes with it for the players i think that'd be worth it what is that 
Well, Redbox, you know, the movie company. Oh, yeah, I yeah. know all about them. I used to travel around the Midwest oh, course, painting see? those DVD machines. I can't stand them, and that's why I'm like, Redbox is still around even? My goodness. Yeah, just get a Hulu account. Yeah, aren't people streaming? <laughs> well, how about Wisconsin? Your Badgers are heading to New York City. Pinstripe Bowl time against Miami. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for the Badgers. They, um, You kind of like it when they earn a really good bowl. They can go... Uh, down south and play in a nice warm weather environment. Um, I guess New York isn't the worst, but it's certainly not going to be the warm, nice bowl game that they had hoped for. Well, and they do land three All-Americans on the first-team offense, to their credit, so some good news for the Badgers. By the way, Kyler Murray was the quarterback of the All-American team. He ends up getting it over guys like Tua Tungvailoa, and Dwayne Haskins, is that a forebear, maybe foreshadowing of the Heisman Trophy? Um, probably, huh? And it's kind of funny that the fact that the Badgers offense would land three All-Americans in a year that they were so underwhelming. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We've got more to break down, including a blockbuster trade this morning in Major League Baseball. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops in studio with you Monday afternoon. We're joined by the betting man, Charlie Bramer. And I'm here to tell you the pigskin payday is back. Head into a Jayway Casinos to predict the winners of each week's pro football games. Play all season long for your chance at the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ojibwe Casinos, Barriga, and Marquette. Here's a few things to update you on going around in the world of sports today. The Chicago Bulls have parted ways with Fred Hoiberg. The former mayor at Iowa State is out after a 5-19 and start. Brady Hoke, he has been fired for the third straight season as an assistant coach with the Carolina Panthers. Can you believe that as much flack as Harbaugh is getting, as hot of a seat as he's on after a 10-2 and two season, that Michigan fans put up with Brady Hoke as a head coach for how long? Yeah, that's kind of, it just, that is, I, it just goes to show how much they expect out of Harbaugh over everybody else. Ron Rivera will take over defensive play calling duties. Jim McElwain, the wide receivers coach in Michigan, has a new job. He will be the head football coach at Central Michigan. The Chippewas get him. And then the new college basketball rankings have come out. And the local teams are pretty good. All three of them top 12. Michigan jumps all the way up to number five. Michigan State is 10th. And Wisconsin is 12. No changes in the top four. Gonzaga still at number one. They're followed by Kansas, Duke, and Virginia. Yep. And the Badgers' only loss um, was to such a good team that it, it kind of, I think it actually helped them. Even though the game, the final score was closer, but it wasn't really the greatest game. Badgers had a hard time getting their offense going, um, which if the Badgers lose, that's typically why. But... Yeah, I mean, I was really hoping last year was, I mean, that was the first year the Badgers didn't make the tournament in, what, like 18 years? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was a little kid, and it. I'm just really glad that that was not a sustained drought. Obviously, things could, the season could still go off the rails, but they're looking like 
they're really back and here to stay for a while, hopefully. They got a really good win Friday night down at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Hawkeyes, that was their first loss. They're off to a great start yeah. this season. Yeah, and um, they beat Xavier mm-hmm. earlier in the year. Um, they've got some good wins already, and those were games that you could tell um, they would have lost last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't have probably really even been close. And there's some games like against Xavier, they really um, – I'm excited by the three-point shooting and the mm-hmm. outscore, outside scoring. Um, it's kind of a new um, aspect of their offensive game, and I think it's really gonna it's really gonna pay off for them this year. It's gonna take them places. They've got Rutgers tonight. They should win that one. Should doesn't should. always work that way, but that they should. Be, that would be a bad loss. That would be a bad loss. Bad early season loss. Certainly. How about Michigan State? They get Iowa tonight. Iowa trying to bounce back from suffering their first loss. They drop to 22nd in the latest rankings. That could be a really fun game between Izzo's squad and that of Fran McCaffrey's. Yep, and that's a game that now that the Badgers have beat Iowa, I am really have my fingers crossed that they're going to be that Iowa's going to come back and beat State. Why are you such a big Hawkeye fan for State? Well, I mean, I'm just... Uh, just want State out of the equation. Yeah, if the Wisconsin Badgers... Wisconsin to jump them. Yeah, if the Badgers can beat Iowa, then I want definitely want Iowa to beat State. Do the Badgers a favor. How about Michigan? Is there anybody in the Big Ten that can compete with them right now? They are looking better than the Fab Five squads. Jeez, when they put out Villanova, it was mm-hmm. just, I mean... Yeah. And then they followed up with Carolina. They drubbed them. Yeah, and they, it, it kind of... But ever since that Villanova, like the first half, I mean, you're just kind of, you don't really know what to even say about them. I mean, they're just that good. They're just that good. I don't think John Beeline's seat was hot, but there are a lot of people who thought that a few years ago it might be the end of his career. It might be time for him to step away gracefully and retire. And suddenly he's won, what, 24 of his last 25? I mean, it's ridiculous what yeah. he's done. Yeah, and... um even in, in you include his off the court issues, you know, his health problems and he mm-hmm. have open heart surgery this year and um his team's better than ever. Well let's uh go to baseball for a little bit. Brewers making news. They non tender Jonathan Scope. I know that frustrates you a little bit. It's with what they gave up, two top thirty prospects and and a major league quality player in Jonathan VR. Um they had they could have got him back for right around ten million dollars is is what the seems the going rate for Jonathan Scope would have been for this year. The big reason why I'm surprised they didn't tender him a contract is because if they would have offered him his one year deal, he would have had to have signed it, would have come in for spring training. If he's still terrible throughout spring training, they could have released him and essentially owed him nothing. Just had to pay him for spring training. But I before they non-tendered him. I was thinking if they don't tender him a contract, I guess they're really high on Keston Hira. He just won that. You know, we were talking about him a few weeks ago. Just won the Arizona Fall League MVP. Apparently, they want him to get the at bats mm-hmm. in uh, spring training. I don't know if they're going to bring in some other competition. Maybe they're looking at some third baseman. Maybe keep Shaw at second base. Um, there's a lot of possibilities there, but I'm. Definitely leaning towards giving Keston here a shot at the job. Well, how about the blockbuster trade that was made earlier this morning? The Philadelphia Phillies looking like they may be going all in. They traded for all-store shortstop Gene Segura. They send J.P. Crawford 
and Carlos Santana over to Seattle for him. Segura with a great season last year in which he batted 304, made the all-star team. Phillies, if they can get Bryce Harper, we're talking about them maybe being World Series contenders. If that's a big if they it get is Bryce a big Harper. If. And that's a big loss, though, for their team. You know, Segura's an addition. But that's a big loss, though. Santana. Carlos Santana mm-hmm. and J.P. Crawford. I really felt like he was a guy... I mean, he's got a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. He's yet to really, really find it, but the potential is there. And obviously, I'm very familiar with Gene Segura. Always, he was always Mean Gene, the Dream. But in in, in Milwaukee, he had few good seasons. Didn't really live up to the, the expectations. Um, I'm kind of curious why he's already been traded so many times. Mm-hmm. What this is the third or fourth time he's been traded. And being such a productive player, especially the last few seasons, what a strange, why why isn't anybody wanting to keep him around? Well, you think about that Brewers infield, what was it? It would be about four and a half years ago now, 2014, where they had Gene Segura and Scooter Jeanette up the middle, and those guys never really panned out in Milwaukee, but they're panning out elsewhere. Doesn't it always seem like that happens to the team you cheer for? Wow. Yeah. Happens to so many Minnesota Twins. Oh, certainly. And but with the Brewers, I mean, if they had Gene Segura and Scooter Jeanette now, they could potentially have one of the best infields in all of baseball. When you Scooter Jeanette, Gene Segura, uh, Travis Shaw, Shaw, then Jesus Aguilar, and it's also with the left-right splits. I mean, it's perfect. There's power. Um, they'd probably have. They would probably challenge the Reds for the best infield in all of baseball. Let's go to Northern Michigan basketball. For the third time this season, third time in four weeks, Isaiah Johnson has been named Men's GLIAC Player of the Week. Congratulations to him as he continues to do big things. Have you been to a Northern basketball game yet this year, Charlie? Those teams are a lot of fun. Both of them playing very well, each of them only with one loss. I have not been to a Northern basketball game yet, but I got tickets for the rest of the year. There you go. I got tickets yesterday. For the rest of the year, I'm going to be going. I have to go. I saw some highlights on TV. These guys are playing great basketball. Mm-hmm. There's hardly anybody at the games. Someone's mm-hmm. got to be there to watch that good basketball. Why not me? It's been a while since they've been home, too, but they'll be having some home cooking coming up. Yep. Meanwhile, hockey's going to be home this week. Actually, it's the home-and-home home series. Friday night here, Saturday at Houghton, the Michigan Tech series. That's going to be a lot of fun. I, I just love the atmosphere of hockey, especially rivalry hockey. Yeah, and isn't the Tech Northern games going to be on TV? At least one of them. Someone will. Someone will have that game. I think they're going to be on Fox 35, I Could think. Could be. Could be. Charlie Bramer is in studio with us. We'll take a time out. We'll come back, and we will have more to finish off this sports pen, including a record setter over the weekend in minor league hockey. That's next in the sports pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. We approach the 5 o'clock hour. Tanner Hoops with you in studio along with Charlie Bramer. Ladies and gentlemen, for the final time today, the Pigskin Payday is back at Ojibwe Casinos. Head on in to predict the winners of each week's pro football games. Play all season long for your chance at the $100,000 grand prize. Only at where, Tanner? Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, 
and Mark Yen. Oh, that's right. So we're back here uh, in studio with you, winding down in the sports pen. A record was set this weekend in minor league hockey. It transpires to all of hockey, but it was set at the minor league level. The Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League affiliate of the Washington Capitals, had their annual teddy bear toss. They set the record for most teddy bears ever thrown onto the ice and collected. 34,798 teddy bears, which were all donated to charity, shattered the previous record set three years ago by over 6,000 bears. Cool story out of Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully those bears are going to Toys for Tots or something. Yeah, absolutely, and good on the Hershey organization as well as the Washington Capitals. Moving to football, Monday Night Football tonight, Week 13 comes to an end. You've got an NFC East matchup between Washington and the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, the Redskins are trying to keep pace with the Cowboys. It's starting to emerge as a two-team race over in the East with the Eagles hanging on. They're hanging on. But if they lose tonight, is it the knockout punch? Um, I would think so. I think it is, too. And, and man, with, with what I said before, you know, I had a few out-there takes on potential coaches. I want the Eagles to be losing out and... Just to touch one more time on the Packers. You want Doug Peterson. I want Doug Peterson. I want Bill Belichick. But in firing Mike McCarthy early like this, the one thing it does do, um, you know, people are saying, why not let McCarthy finish out the season, myself included. But I'm trying to look at it from their perspective. And it does, but does it not give them a leg up potentially in, uh, you know, the first shot at potential candidates? Because not only... Like I said, is that going to be probably the most coveted job? But now it's also the first open. So You've got Cleveland, New York, or the Packers. Which job do you really want? Exactly. I mean, the Jets aren't open yet, but we all know it's not far away. And and there's probably going to be a few more. And there is, yeah. if the Cowboys don't make the playoffs, is that job going to be open? I think it should be, Definitely, it but I'm not been. sure that it will be. Yeah, it should have been open already, right? You've got Baltimore, too. Don't forget John Harbaugh yeah. expected to part ways with the Ravens. Certainly. So there will be some open jobs this year, but in the NFL, backers has got to be the most appealing. But either or, you've got maybe the knockout game tonight if Washington can beat out Philadelphia. And everybody in the East has won so far this weekend. So Philadelphia... Me, it means a lot more for them. But you can make the same case for Washington because they're fighting to not keep themselves mathematically alive. They're trying to keep themselves realistically alive by keeping pace with a suddenly surging Dallas team. Yeah, and um, Washington made moves mm-hmm. several weeks ago to do just that, and they haven't really haven't noticed much of a difference out of them. They were really playing some good football there for a while. They were. So tonight's matchup, Eagles are a team that's got the talent there. I still believe they're the most talented team in the NFC East right now. Oh, yeah, they've they got to be. like it. I don't know what's going on with them. And, yeah, I understand Carson Wentz is coming back off an injury, and it's one of the toughest injuries to come back from. And he's done well at times, but he's not connecting on the throws and making the plays that he was last year when he's healthy. You know he's trying to come back, but you can tell he's still bothered by his injury. Yeah, and it's kind of funny, you know, um, some guys come back from that ACL injury so fast, and other guys it just takes longer. Um, some guys have done it multiple times where the first time, like Brian Bilaga, came back real quick. This year it seems like it's a lingering thing. Obviously mm-hmm. he's older. 
Um, but it's just kind of funny. Everybody in the NFC East has won so far this weekend. Everybody in the NFC North lost. You know, at the start of the season, who what what division would we have thought was better? But I guess somebody from the NFC East is going to lose. It it but you know, unless they tie, unless they tie. But it then then they both lost, right, Tanner? They both lost. We need to get and ties out of NFL. Yep. We need to get ties out of boxing too. Everyone was oh, so yeah. excited for that on Saturday. Night. Did you watch it? I didn't watch it. Heard all about it. I had watched. I I watched some boxing. I'm not really big into fighting. I'm not either. Um, I'll watch maybe like Mayweather and Pacquiao if there's something they really hype up, and you know I have somebody who's gonna pay for the pay per view or whatever. I'll go on over and watch it with them, but I'm not gonna re- religiously follow right. boxing. And and as far as MMA goes, I, or you know I'm not really into that. I mean. I, I listen to a lot of like Rogan podcasts and stuff, so I hear about it a lot. But it's just you, you can try and get into it, and then it's just get, it gets hard to watch. And you can see these guys who are trying to switch to weight classes, and and they dehydrate the heck out of themselves, and then get the snot kicked out of them. It, I, I just don't see the appeal in that. But if I was gonna watch fighting, some kind of fighting, I guess I would prefer boxing. At least they got some padded gloves, right? We are running out of time, so let's go to playoff pictures for the closing minutes. Both NFL and NCAA. In the AFC, right now I see five locks for the postseason. I see Pittsburgh, Houston, Mm -hmm. New England, the Chiefs, and then the Chargers. Despite Pittsburgh's struggles and how they only lead Baltimore by, what is it, half a game now? I still think they're going to win the division. And now you've got the wild card that's up for grabs between about five different teams. You've got Miami that's somehow still in, yep. maybe because Ryan Tannehill has a better passer rating than Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers this season. You've got the Colts, who until yesterday looked like one of the hottest teams in football. You've got the Broncos, who've suddenly won three straight and are looking relevant again. And you've got the Ravens that have won three in a row under Lamar Jackson, who's starting to answer the question, is Joe Flacco elite or not? He's answering it for us. Yeah. It. Wow, didn't that just seem to... It took longer than you would think for mm-hmm. that question to get answered. Um I thought it was perfectly clear to everybody when the Ravens won that Super Bowl, it wasn't because of Joe Flacco. But I guess it, it like you said, now it, that's being settled. So in the AFC, things are starting to come together. The NFC, not so much. We know the Rams are in after their win yesterday. Right now, the Bears, the bottom's going to have to fall out for them to miss the playoffs. And maybe that'll happen if Trubisky doesn't come back. But he's going to be back this weekend against the Rams. And that should be a really fun game if it lives up to its hype. Over in the South, you have the Saints running away with things. The East still not yet decided. Washington can keep pace with Dallas, make that really interesting with a win tonight. The wild card, I still see the Vikings getting the top wild card. After that, still a mystery. Yeah, and some teams lost this weekend, like the Packers technically still alive but who's gonna get that last wild card is mason crosby still a reliable kicker do the packers need to move on from him yikes you know i mean he was what 19 of 23 at one point Mm -hmm. um and then he's missed some kicks again um up until just a couple weeks ago the only kicks he had missed were the four against the lions now he's missed a few um i wanted to mention that because actually i'm glad you brought his name up I did not like how he just, he really seemed to, I, I don't know how to put it. He just 
put his holder right on on blast in front mm-hmm. of everybody. Right after he pushes the kick wide, right, looks at the holder and is clearly yelling at him. You know, J.K. Scott's all like 21 years old sitting there. He looked like a, a son being scolded by his father. And I just really did not like to see that. You have all week to discuss such things with your holder. Why do you have to do it right there when you know the camera is pointing on you? That's probably why he did it mm-hmm. and doing it for that reason. He wants to make people I, think it's not yeah, him. He I wants re- to keep his job. Yeah, I really don't, really am not appreciating that. And J.K. Scott had just been on the now defunct Mike McCarthy show the week before and had been talking about the most important aspect of his game is holding. And he 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 did a whole spiel about how he wants his teammates to be successful and how he feels like he works extra than other holders around the league and he wants to get that just perfect and so for Crosby to just be slamming him in front of everybody like that I'm sure a lot more people saw Crosby pointing the finger at JK after that um, missed field goal then saw the Mike McCarthy show so it just kind of is a bummer for him Last thing before we sign off, college football playoffs and how those things transpire, the bowl assignments, what have you. Georgia still finished fifth despite their loss against Alabama on Saturday. Ohio State stayed idle at number six despite winning the Big Ten championship by three scores over Northwestern. Does that surprise you a little bit that not only Ohio State and the Big Ten got left out, but they couldn't pass Georgia? Or was that 29-point loss to Purdue just the nail in the coffin? See, I thought that that 29-point lo- loss to Purdue was bad, but I really thought that the tail whooping at Michigan kind of made up for that a little maybe. I guess not because Michigan going into that game was so highly touted, mm-hmm. and then Ohio State puts them out. It didn't seem to really benefit Ohio State the way I thought it would have, and just being such a Big Ten fan, I thought that not only did that make up for the Purdue loss, but – it was enough to get him into the playoff, and it clearly wasn't. Last thing before we sign off, after what we saw on Saturday, assuming the three Heisman finalists are Tua Tungavailoa, Dwayne Haskins, and Kyler Murray, who has your vote? Jeez, I don't know. After after watching Alabama's backup quarterback, mm-hmm. after watching Hurts do that, you know, is Tua Viola... I did not pronounce that right, I don't feel. Is he really the best player in college football after watching the backup come in and do that? I'll just I'll just say this. How about we just go with Taylor out of Wisconsin and make it easy on everybody? We'll just go with the yeah, running back. Yeah, let's just give it to Will Greer. We'll, yeah, let's just go with the running back out of Wisconsin. He only averages like eight yards of carry on first down. He's He's my guy. Coming into this weekend, I would have said Tua was a lock for it. Now I'm not so sure. Yeah, me too. I don't know that I have a favorite between those three, but Haskins and Murray definitely made their case a lot stronger. Charlie, as always, thanks for being here. Looking forward to having you again next week. I appreciate it, Tanner. Thank you very much, and I'm hoping next week has better news for my teams than this week. (laughs) Charlie Bramer's in studio with us. That's it for us on the Sports Pen. I'm Tanner Hoops signing off from ESPN WZAM Ishpeming Marquette.